And we are on. Okay. Suzanne Carpenter, thank you so much for joining the Ambry podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on the Crowdcast and working through everything that we've worked through thus far. I would like to start this interview with you doing a quick introduction of yourself and your company, please. Sure. So I'm Suzanne Carpenter, and I live just north of Atlanta, Georgia, and I am 47, so I have four kids, been married almost 24 years, and I am the CEO and founder of a company called Carpenter 180, and my company exists to clear up food confusion so that people can win at losing weight, and my company was born out of solving a problem that I personally had struggled with once upon a time. And what was that? What what was it that started your journey into nutrition? What was that moment? Mm -hmm. I was asked a question um, about, I think, nine years ago now. You say that you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? And that question caused me to lose sleep and bothered me a lot because that question made me go in and realize that I, I had an eating disorder and that I was going to need to do something to help me so that my two girls did not grow up to do what I was doing. I had a horrible self-talk track. I, I spoke to myself in a way I would never let anybody, I would never let my girls hear anybody speak to me this way. I would never speak to them that way. And it was when I thought, gosh, those two sweet girls could talk to themselves the way I am talking to myself. I couldn't stand that. I thought, I don't want them to have this fractured relationship with food when they grow up like I am. So that question made me really dig in and commit to being an authentic role model for them. So I was going to just truly, I was just going to get the help for me so that I could role model for them. But out of getting those answers that I needed, it's like I took off this layer of shame that held me captive my whole life. Like it was just so heavy. It was so burdensome that when I got rid of it, I saw what was needed in the world. I saw that I wanted to give away the knowledge that I have because it felt so good. Once I put everything in place, I thought if I can be a part of helping other moms and other daughters and other people also have food peace like I found, I want to do that. And your shame was replaced with peace. It was. And you can't know that until you actually give the shame away that you can find the peace in its place. But that was absolutely the case for me. When did your, when did your relationship with food become fractured? Oh, when did that start? Mm -hmm. So I'm six foot two. And as an adult, I always say, so that means I'm six foot two, so I have a different perspective on everything. So I'm looking down all the time. Um, but I was tall when I was in middle school. And so I was, I was recently taught, like in the last 10 years, that the reason that we compare ourselves to one another is because we are meant to be in community. So body doesn't know that it's not caveman times. And our body think our body is just wired to help us survive. So in, in the Paleolithic era, the men would go out and they would hunt and the women would stay behind in the caves around the fire, taking care of the littles. And you needed to conform to be kept in with the pack because if you were too much of an outlier, you'd be cast off and probably you wouldn't survive if you weren't with the pack. So the reason we compare is really how am I measuring up? Do I still belong? So my belief is that 
as a young junior high child, when I started to realize that I didn't look like the pack, I began to look at and talk to myself about how I wasn't fitting in. And I began to try to use food as something that I could control on my body so that I could fit in. And when did you, how long did you stay in that? Like, when did you step out of that? When was that question asked? Oh, that question about my girls was asked uh, about nine years ago. So that would have been, I would have probably been 37, 36 years old. So I struggled with this a good 20 plus years, but it's what I knew. So it, I didn't know a different way. I was raised in Michigan to have like hard work ethic and to show up every day and to be a really good person. And that was what I did every single day. So I was giving my life, my nutrition, I was giving it all of me. I just didn't have enough information to be healthy. I was stopping just short, like just three feet of goal in front of goal. What was the first steps that you took? So you were asked the question, you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? And that was your defining that something. Yes. What was your first steps out of that? What did that look like? That's such an important and good question because I think it's one thing to hear a success story like, woo, we got the hard behind us. But I think what you just asked is the really good question because the first thing was the talk with myself about I was, so I told you, like I had stuffed this down. Like I didn't even think about it as an eating disorder because it was just how I was doing things. Okay, so I had to first realize. I was going to need to make a change. And, and here's, I think, where a lot of people struggle, because I did. I want to be the real deal. I want to be authentic. I don't want to be one of those people that says something and doesn't stick to their word. My word is my bond. That's always, that's part of my upbringing. So here's the thing. Since I had never told anybody my secret, I mean, I never told my husband. If I was going to say this thing out loud, that also in my mind's eye meant I had to be willing to do something different to get a different result. And there was the tension because mm. it's hard to believe that there was something I didn't know that could improve my life because I'd been seeking it. I was looking for it. I couldn't find it. I didn't think it existed. So I had to be willing to say to myself, I am going to pursue this. I am willing to do something different than what I'm doing right now. That means change a habit. That's hard. Yes. To get a different result. So, so I, I just wanted to pause on that for a minute about it was really hard. The struggle for me was being willing to make a change because I didn't want to go back on my own word. So the next practical things were after I talked to myself a little bit, I was journaling. Probably I was going back and forth between the journal and my brain contemplating this for a little bit. And then I hired people to help me, counselor, therapist, RD. And they were the first people I told. I had to tell somebody who was not uh, so emotionally close to me because my shame was so big. It was so big. I wrote this big story that I'd be unlovable, unlikable. My relationships would fall apart if I told this secret. It was so heavy and so big. I was so terrified to say it out loud that even the first time I spoke it to somebody I was paying, I still remember the heat coming up my neck and my sweat on my back. I remember I thought my bones were going to fall out of my body. It's really hard, but I was met with love 
and compassion and understanding. And then she helped me frame to expect how my husband might respond, mm-hmm. which was beautiful. I mean, I'm married to a wonderful angel of a man. And he felt sad that I carried this burden all this time. I mean, I wrote his, I already had decided for him how he felt about this. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. Wow. That's something. That is something. And I, so you un, you unload this and you, you allow people behind this wall and into your secret. Um, and you're starting down a new path. Mm-hmm. What, what was your first shift in your relationship with food like? My first shift? How do you mean? Like what, what were the first things that I did different? Yes. Okay. So plugging in my computer just so I make sure we've got awesome power forever. (laughs) So, um, okay. I needed, okay. The way I used to eat, I would restrict all day long and I would make these food rules every single day. And I, food was good or bad to me. Now, let me tell you something. Food is neither good nor bad. Food eaten in excess is what leads to us being overweight. You know, like food doesn't have a property like that. Okay, but I would attach these food rules, starve all day long, get the kids to bed, and then I would eat almost all my food when I went to bed at the end of the night, binging, if I was going to binge. And then I would use exercise as a way to purge. I could never throw up, or I would abuse laxatives. And I'm not giving anybody any suggestions here. This is what not to do. I was miserable. Don't, it didn't work. Bulimics, me, I weighed 226 pounds in the throw of that bad cycle before I was ever pregnant. It didn't get me what I wanted. It's the path to misery. So when I decided I was really going to pursue changing this thing, I had to learn, one, the exercise is not part of the weight loss equation. It's part of the weight management equation. Weight loss is, or exercise is important for lean muscle, endorphins, community, cardiovascular, it's connective tissue, strength. And I mean, it's just so good for so many reasons. It just doesn't fit into the weight loss equation. You want to know how I know? Because there's a gym on every corner and we all own sneakers and two out of three Americans are overweight. So that doesn't work in that space. So I had to learn that. That knowledge mattered to me. The other thing I had to learn for food wise was the benefit of what fiber could do for my body. Rev my metabolism, keep me full for hours. Boy, I hadn't been full in years because I was always hungry. Uh, Keep me full, it would balance my hormones. It was gonna help malabsorb calories, fats, and toxins. I started to learn the health benefits for blood pressure, cholesterol, reducing risk for cancers, reducing inflammation in the body, meaning healthier GI tract. That's right there with you. Once I started to learn, then the light bulb started to go off, and that's when I started to be ready to take a step. So part of my food steps were the learning before I was really ready to put it into application because there's a real tension in making change. And when you're already doing everything you can and you're always worried about gaining weight or body image, suddenly introducing new food or a different way can feel really stressful. So I learned, I felt really good about the information that I was learning, and then I was willing to try. And that's when I started to actually feel different and the light bulbs really started going off. And you, when you started your company and you started building these programs, your programs are Mm education-based. You start by giving people knowledge. Can you explain and describe for us 
uh, some of the the programs that you offer? Sure. Okay. So do you remember when you would be studying for um, an exam or a test and you had all the books on your desk and it was getting close to exam time and you're, you were so overwhelmed by like, what do I need to learn? There's so much here. Do you remember that feeling? Do. Okay. Yeah. do you remember the feeling when you'd walk out of the test and you almost could feel the information coming out of your ears, almost like it was leaking out? Okay. Absolutely. We all remember that from when we were kids. Okay. So nutrition is just like that with the exception of the nerds like me that just can absorb it and love it. That's a really overwhelming, big subject. I mean, the diet industry is huge. Everybody has an opinion. And in my years of teaching first grade, I just have always been able to take complex science once I understand it and explain it in a way a first grader gets it. So everything I did in Carpenter 180 is based off of science, but I'm explaining it so that we can all understand it. I don't ever want to talk in such fancy words that it's intimidating. In fact, I want to do just the opposite. I want to make it so like, I can do that. That's how this thing needs to be. So the, the program I'm the most excited about is called Sue's on Your Shoulders, like the angel on your shoulder. It's your daily SOS, like your SOS message. So what they are is three to five minute sound bites. Every day, one message comes right to your text. And it is teaching you what you need to know in the right order to get a handle on this thing. So you don't ever feel like you've got that mountain of books in front of you because that's where success doesn't happen. If I stay here for an hour and I actually talked about nutrition for an hour, I promise you, you'd only remember probably one thing and it was that I had an eating disorder. The rest of it, you'd probably be like, I like what I heard, but I don't remember much. I want to undo that. So if I can give you a short soundbite every single day, habits begin to form learning loops begin to form. Real true transformation can happen. So it's built off of in the beginning, I'm teaching you about protein, fat, and fiber, and carbohydrate, how to burn fat for fuel, and how to get success. Grocery lists, snacks to order, or to have in the house. Really practical things that we've got to do to begin to get results. So if we can education on the front end and just act action, like just trust me, right. just start. Just, just start here and you're going to feel better and you're going to get results. Then we can go into, once we've gotten a little bit of feeling better, sleeping better, couple pounds off, tummy a little flatter, energy better, then I can start to get into empowering. Like, okay, now here's why this is actually working. Like, here's a really cool thing that's going on inside your body. Like, I'm balancing hormones for you. We're turning off um, all these hungry hormones. So you're not like on a roller coaster all the time. Biology is working in your favor. And you've been doing it for two weeks already. And that's where people start to feel inspired. Because if I can explain to somebody, get them success, but then explain why what they're doing is working, that's where we get long-term buy-in because we've got to figure out a pattern of eating right now that we're doing that we can do when we're 80. Right. That, that's, that's the pattern of eating we need to do. No more of this restriction. Tomorrow I'm going to be perfect forever. So that means today I'm going to eat the whole ice cream cake. We have got to get away from that because it's not working. And it's not serving us. And it's not sustainable. No. It's not sustainable. And you're, you're not teaching that we have to X out desserts and nope. the ice cream cake forever and ever and ever. And you can never have that. Um, but you're giving us the educate. And I'm super excited about the Sue's on your shoulder because that's right up my alley. And 
you offer education, not just about eating and intake, but about what we should buy. And my stressor is grocery shopping. I don't like the grocery store. I don't like it. Um, so I want to get in, I want to get out. So I will fall back to what I know. And I don't feel like I'm that great of a cook. And I also, um, there's a little bit of self worth in that because I know certain things I shouldn't eat like breads and pastas, and I will buy them almost out of spite. And I know that it's because I don't necessarily know what to do with myself if I'm feeling a hundred percent. Like, I don't know if I qualify for that. So, um, having talked to you in the pre-interview and then the, uh, second pre-interview, because I forgot to hit go live, um, <laughs> we really kind of dug into that. You offer people those lists. You, you give people, I mean, a, 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 for lack of a better phrase of a, a fighting chance at actually getting in front of this and, and empowering them over whatever their battle is with food and nutrition. I sure, I sure hope to, because this is what we should have been taught when we were in grade school and in high school, just these fundamentals that I'm teaching. So like going to the grocery store is overwhelming. I mean, good grief. Packages say healthy and all natural. So sure. You know, you don't even really know what you're looking for because, again, back to the books on the desk, it's so overwhelming. So with Sue's on your shoulder, I, I started that out with seven free days with simple grocery lists. I'm the girl also like you that if the grocery list is 17 pages long, I'm not going to do anything with it. So I'm like, look, here's your cheat sheet. Take this to the store. If you get stuff off this list, you're, you got stuff that you can cook. Then I'm not a fancy cook either. I have four kids. It's like a thousand people live in my house and they're always hungry and cooking food and the millions of dishes. I totally get it. I cook recipes based off of how few pans am I going to need? So I show up with here are things that I know and love that my kids like that are protein, fat, and fiber. You're going to feel good. You're going to feel full. We're going to balance blood sugar. They taste delicious and they're not impossible because we need easy, simple Thursday night foods that taste good, that we look forward to eating. The thing is, like you were saying about the grocery store, I always want to honor this because these are things that I struggled with. Choosing new things to put on your grocery list is hard. There are a few people who are always trying brand new recipes, but those I think are the unicorns. Those are the outliers. I'm like you. I want to get the same foods all the time. So what I would encourage is like that be nice to yourself, but beginning to just make a new habit out of what your grocery list is going to look like. It's going to take a little while. It's going to take practice. You're going to goof up. I did. It, the grocery store is a landmine of confusion. So what I'm trying to do is simplify it. And that means, okay, that means you have to be in a state where you're willing to make a change. That can be the hardest place to get to. But then once you're willing to make a change and make a step forward, you see how it's not really so hard. It's really so practical. And I think we were talking before about how some, I'm not, uh, nutrition is not a, um, a religion to me, or it's not uh, anymore an obsession because I, I got the information I needed. So instead, 
I figured out like, what are a couple breakfasts that I like that are protein, fat, and fiber? What are a couple lunches that I like? I'm a super boring eater. I eat the same thing all the time. Like I've got three standards for every one of my meals that I just don't have to overthink about it. So that way when we're busy and we're zipping around and like hour before we started this podcast, I was so hungry. I was going to eat my arm off rather than think about it a lot or just eat pretzels and chocolate chips. I was like, go make a smoothie. Cause I was almost in caveman voice. I was so hungry. And I just went and made the smoothie that I knew I needed to make. And I'm back and I had the energy I needed, but I didn't have to overthink about it. But that means it's kind of like I have to help somebody do their homework to get to that place because I had once upon a time do my homework to get to that place. So I want to be the role model and the encourager and give examples to simplify it for others. And it's exciting that not only are you giving the education and you're building the foundation, but you are the encourager. And you're and I think a lot of people need both components for a change like this to be successful. So mm -hmm. that's the Sue's on your shoulder. What is your other, because you have two other programs that you offer. Because we're all like in different places of learning, you know, like, okay, so Sue's on your shoulder. I want to just finish up there that, do you remember when you were learning your multiplication facts when you were in um, like second and third grade and mm -hmm. you're threes and fours, and then you'd learn your nines and tens and you come back and you do your threes and fours. That's what Sue's on your shoulder is like. I'm really just kind of getting you practicing. You're hearing the words about the foods. They're starting to make sense. And you're, you're getting to this place where you really understand it. Now, the other ones, that's for somebody who has very little time, $15 a month, start seven days free. That's for the person who's like, I'm just kind of checking this out, or I need to have somebody in my ear every day. Now, the, the far other side is the person who wants to work one-on-one. -on -one. That's called babysit my plate. She's the woman who's like, Suze, I want to talk to you, and I want your inspiration, and I want your encouragement and accountability. And I want you to help me narrow down my three breakfasts, three break lunch, three binge snacks. I want you to help me understand net carbs, carbs. I want to have questions. We're going to talk. That's the person that wants a half hour a week, you know, sends me recipes or grocery list has a lot more contact. And that person gets, I see that that's where there's a lot of success there because the person who wants to work one-on-one -on -one is really invested in making true change and wanting to talk through the emotional sides because I can give anybody a food list. You can go online and get a food list. It's just sticking with it has more to do with what's going on between the ears. And we've got to under uncover some of the emotional things that are actually sabotaging your intentions. Right. Because it's still a calories in calories out equation. You know, you, if you eat as many calories as you burn off, you're going to maintain your weight. If you take in fewer calories than you burn off, you're going to lose weight. But we don't, we don't sustain that because of the emotional things. We do have an emotional attachment to food. So a lot of times we can work through those one-on-one -on -one a lot more than just say SOS, but SOS will get you the teaching. So in the middle is called the Food Peace University. And that's the one that has the courses for our self-learners who want to take a month-long course from me. And I really teach about proteins, fats, carbs, fiber, net carbs, burning fat for fuel, how to tweak recipes, really get into some of the subject matter without it being one-on-one. -on -one. And then what I, I built it this way so that I can do multiple courses that can, as we continue to uncover struggles that are 
themes, not just individual struggles, but themes that a lot of women have, I can build out courses to position the information to help them overcome as well. But the one that I'm passionate about that's cooking in my head right now is the mother-daughter course on nutrition. It's not about gene size. My platform is not about gene size or vanity. Mm -hmm. It is about health. It is about looking and feeling your very best so that you are empowered to go do your life bigger so that you don't have to focus on nutrition so much to get it right. But in fact, so that you can go make a bigger impact in your community, in your family, in your four walls, wherever you are supposed to go make something happen. This part of you is so shored up. Your health and your your health is your wealth. So your health is so good. Your energy is so good. And you're feeling empowered that you go make this thing grow. I'm like the unfancy part underneath people helping to push them up. So for my girls, that's where this comes from. And my daughter and I doing a mother-daughter nutrition class, can we teach some things to some girls at a younger age? And they're inspired by her because it's not weird. It's not, we're eating grass. We're never having macaroni and cheese again. It's not any of that, but it's teaching right. at a younger age. Here's fundamentally how we eat so that when you have Skittles and popcorn, it's no big deal. Here, you know, you eat mostly like this, you'll have clearer skin and you'll sleep better. You'll have better energy. You'll do better in sports. You know, like there's so much that can be taught that needs to be taught. I'm excited to partner up with my daughters because they're my inspiration to help other mother-daughter teams. I'm curious how that feels for you because you went from – wanting to be a good role model for your daughters and not just a good role model, you know, what you were showing them, but also really impact their relationship with nutrition and food in themselves. And now you're going into a phase that you're, she's, she's going to have this conversation with you actually, and she's going to help educate. What does that what is that feeling that you're experiencing that happening? Well, you know that I think it will surprise you, but it's like relief. It's just a, an ease. It, it like is a feeling of that. Um, I'm so glad that my girls, especially my 13 year old girl understands food for fuel and doesn't restrict and it's, I could, I could actually see her becoming a dietitian one day because she likes the science of it so much. But the idea of being able to pair up, to give back that um, your message is found in your mess, that the lessons that I learned at a younger age, my daughter and I might be able to be a solution for somebody else to navigate a pitfall that I made is an incredible thing to get to, to be able to do, to give back to the world. Because what if, what if my Erin, my 13-year-old girl, what if a couple of her friends right this minute are beginning the struggle like I was when I was 13? What, what if they are struggling with that? But because she has this foundation, because she watched me, because I did the work to heal, to not make a big deal out of it now, she just sees how I eat. What if, because her friend gets to watch her that way, one less person grows up to fight what I fought for so long. I mean, what if? It, and, and it's not a matter of, of if, I don't think. It's a matter of when that change and that impact occurs because what you said, there are right now. They're entering into that 
wanting to fit into the pack and know really I am different and everyone's different and unique. But when we're that little, we don't look at it as, oh, everyone's different and unique. It's I'm different and I have, ah, what, you know? So you having gone through this and gone through your journey and really getting to a place where you were talking about it and you're communicating about it, when your daughters hit that age, that opened the door for you to be able to a recognize, hey, you're about to hit this really weird, awkward. This is something to look, you know, to look at and to be cognizant of, to prepare for. Mm-hmm. It made that conversation a little bit easier to have, do you think? It did, but I think that actions speak louder than words. And so the fact that they saw an ease in me, you know, this is just how I grocery shop and this is how I eat. I don't tend, and I, I don't monitor what my kids eat. Like if we go out to eat in a restaurant and they want a burger and fries, they're ordering a burger and fries. If they want a Sprite, they're ordering Sprite. I'm not going to go. I, I, don't, I just don't even agree with doing that to them. Like they can make the choices. But my girls and my sons have been raised listening to me work with people and clients and this talk track that I've had for so long that they're picking it up, hearing about it because they're listening, kind of like you would hear something like on a TV show from a different room. And then they're, but they're watching. The thing is kids watch more than they, I think, even listen. So the fact that they just see mom as steady Eddie, <laughs> kind of eating right? foods and, and I'm not doing this. I only get a salad for dinner. I don't, I don't feel any part of that. Like if I go out to eat, I order what I want to eat. Oftentimes I still am ordering, like we go get Italian, a salad, a minestrone soup, maybe salmon or a grilled piece of meat. I'm probably not ordering a big bowl of pasta because it's not one of my favorite foods. So it's not a trigger food for me. Right. They don't see me doing this while they're eating their fettuccine Alfredo. (laughs) <laughs> they don't see misery on me at all. So they recognize that I, I feel good and I like how I eat and it's a choice, not a restriction. That's a very good point. They see you having a good relationship and enjoying what yes. you're doing. And my favorite thing about all of everything that you've said, um, and I have so many favorite things to choose from, is <sighs> there is not even an inkling, not even a concern of deprivation of I cannot enjoy food anymore. There's, Correct. I love that about you. I love that about, you know, Carpenter 180. I love that about your programs. I'm excited about Sue, Sue's on your shoulder because I need shopping list. I need a little bit of guidance. Um, mm-hmm. You said something earlier about skinny fat, and I'm very hesitant to use that term because I, I am skinny. I've always been skinny. And people automatically associate me with you're healthy. And I'm like, I'm probably the most unhealthy that my gut is completely, I went months without being able to eat solid foods. Mm -hmm. Um, And it felt like walking through mud, but on the outside, everybody's like, yeah, but you, you were a size four, so you must be healthy. And I'm like, totally unhealthy. Right. I have no energy. I feel awful. I bet inside it feels tingly and yes, really- circulation is weird. Um, mm-hmm. Blood sugars where I'd stand up and I'd go right back down. I'd hit the floor. Yes, um, yes. You have skin issues. You have like it's your even your sight. 
and mm -hmm. your taste. And what you're offering people is you're, you don't have to fit into a box. Mm -mm. This is my second favorite thing. Cause you can still have like your cake and your cookies and you know, all of that. But the second thing is you don't fit into a box. It is calories in and calories out and eating patterns that like when something about the way you said it, how you said it, and then explained it, the eater, eating patterns, establishing healthy eating patterns for you from now until 80, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it oddly brought a sense of comfort instead of, oh my gosh, what do you mean changing? I'm like, wait a minute. I could feel good until I'm 80. I could, I can do it. I don't know. You're giving me this sense of it's doable. Oh, good. Cause it, couple things like there's there's lots of little activities we can do on this journey towards a healthier lifestyle that's why it's not overnight and we can't do it in an hour it's going to take a while but another really great practical activity is talk to yourself about what your top five favorite foods are and, and for most of us we're like whoo it's gonna take a while because i'll be like this one nope that's not in the top five i like it but it's not in the top five like really really get specific about what your top five favorite foods are and then for the per i call these thoughtful indulgences so let's say i happen to have been born and raised in ann arbor michigan Celine, michigan and there's this restaurant this deli called zingerman's that's iconic in this town and it's extraordinary it's unlike a deli in the united states it's just remarkable and they make this chocolate cake called hunk of burn and love chocolate cake that is ridiculous and it is my favorite cake now i live in atlanta how often do i get that cake like almost never right i love that chocolate cake but I even went so far with chocolate cake that if it's chocolate cake coming out of a box or from Costco or from Kroger or, you know, if it's just mm, chocolate cake, I'm probably not going to blow it on that because it's why bother to me because I'm a food snob. But you better believe when I get around a chocolate cake that's kind of at the level of Zingerman's chocolate cake, I'm going to go in because that's in my top five. And I'm going to have it and I am not going to regret it. But I'm also not going to go and eat a whole cake because I like myself too much to do that to myself anymore. So instead, I probably, if if I'm wanting to lose a few pounds, I probably have a thoughtful indulgence and have three bites of it. And now that, that can sound restricting and I don't mean for it to do. But if you have to lose weight, so it's a calories in calories out equation, Three bites is going to let you have the first bite, which is the best bite. That's when your endorphins explode. The last bite is the second best bite because it's the one that lingers. The only difference is if you have one bite in the middle or 40. It's the difference between control and gluttony. So if you can have three bites and a thoughtful indulgence and let that thing just burn in your mouth, you will wake up the next day empowered rather than feeling regret because you have the food you loved. And then you chose it rather than, I mean, how many of us have stood in the fridge with the fridge open, peeling back something and scooped out of it and not even thought about it, but just shoveled food in and you never really even enjoyed it. You were just filling. So it's like, we're, I'm trying to reintroduce a way of looking at some of these things. So they're not taboo. So you don't need to hide it or eat the whole one when no one's looking rather go ahead and slow down and enjoy this thing. Cause you're meant to, but on the flip side, like I said, I wouldn't just eat chocolate cake out of a box to oblivion either because that doesn't serve me. So figuring out top five favorite foods for people can be 
hugely freeing because if chips and salsa makes the list, but a chimichanga doesn't, when you go order a Mexican, we just made a decision. It's the chips and the salsa. I'm going to order protein, fat, and fiber over here so I can get into what I really care about with this chips and salsa. So we have to like use compromise and discipline right here. I mean, so it's just compromise and discipline. What do you really want? And then Not you're, you're, you're also introducing that mind shift, the three bites of cake. You said, I know it can sound restrictive, but I don't want you to think that it is. And here's why. And I didn't know about this first and last bite. And then the middle bite, it's, it's teaching you what food does to us, especially the food that we enjoy. So the endorphins and the lingering and all of that. But that middle bite, I was like, and that's where the empowerment bite is because mm -hmm. you're choosing it. You're allowed to choose it. You're reminding yourself, I get to have what I want when I want. Like I'm making, I'm making the decisions here. And now let me say this next. This sounds really easy right now because you and I are not facing the food or a struggle or emotional hunger. When it happens, it can be very difficult and you probably will do it poorly. And that is okay because then you can go, well, how come, what did I do there? How to numb out what really you can ask yourself the question afterward to maybe make a different choice the next time. Like this is not all or nothing. This is not perfect. This is fail forward. Practice. Keep showing up. Just keep asking the good question and you'll get there. But it's going to take practice just like the multiplication facts. This is doing things differently than we were raised or taught. That right there. This is why people need to work with you. That right there, because that is a phone call to you going, I ate the whole cake. And you're like, okay, let's talk about that. What's yeah. up? Exactly. Because we I don't need that. another person doing that to us. No. Not on this one. It's too fragile. We're not going to see success if we feel shame and somebody's going to belittle us. We're going to see success if you have somebody who's like, come on, we're going we're gonna to keep getting this. We've got endless amounts of time to get this right. And you know what it feels like to release the shame, to put the light on the shame. You know what that feels like? Mm -hmm. It feels really good. And I want to give that to other people. Like I, I realize they don't have eating disorders like I did, but two out of three Americans are overweight. One out of three is obese. And then to your point, you walk around feeling like a skeleton. So many people feel badly and we're using food the wrong way to feel good, but it's not getting us there. So that's where, you know, like, when you go to bed on time and you wake up on time, it's not necessarily fancy or fun. You feel better because you did it. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's not fancy or fun to go to bed on time and to, but I've started following you and I had to go grocery shopping and I made a few different things. Um, because there were a couple of things that I picked up on your Facebook page. Now, guys, I have not signed up for one of her programs. This was me um, preparing to interview her, right? So I went, I followed her. I kind of, I wanted to see her world and I wanted to see her in action. And I started picking up on things. And so when I had to do my grocery shopping again, and I need Sue's on your shoulder. I need that. I need a grocery list because... I'm helpless, but, and I'm not helpless. I'm just in and out. I don't like it. Anyway. Well, but you're not that interested, frankly, to go. I'm not that interested. Most people, no. exactly. Most people aren't. That's why I'm like here. There's I know. Just, 
so many people in there. Just let me get in. Let's get out of there. But yeah. I picked up greens because I started listening to what I needed. And then I started thinking about what I liked. And I do like kale and I like mixed greens. And I was like, what's odd is I'm not, why am I not depriving myself of the good stuff that I like for the brownies that I like? Why can't I have both? Why can't yeah. I pick up both? And then because I started kind of listening to what I needed, such as, you know, like you with a smoothie, not question it, listen, I, I was craving tomatoes. And I couldn't put my finger on it until I started. I was like, I want something. I don't know what it is. So I just put food in my mouth thinking, well, maybe this is it. It was tomatoes. I've been eating tomatoes like crazy for the past two days. It's so good. So refreshing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that's what you've given me in just the short time that I've known you. Tell people how they can find you. Okay, so everything is carpenter180.com. So it's carpenter, O-N-E, 80. Facebook and Instagram. And I love Instagram because of the stories or the highlights. And I can put up, usually once a day, I put up something that I've eaten for that day just to be a role model and show how it's delicious and it's easy. And I mean, I definitely have mindful indulgences or thoughtful indulgences, but I also want to just show like I feed my body. This, you remember, I mean, my goodness, remember when you were in elementary school and you ate the same peanut butter and jelly every single day for four years? I mean, yes. I mean, we were not fancy eaters as kids. It's kind of okay for the most part as adults to not be fancy eaters with the exception of the big events or when you go out or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I like showing up for that. So then my website is www.carpenter180.com. And that's where you go to sign up for seven free days of SOS or read any of the blog posts or grab recipes or work with me one-on-one, -on -one, whatever. It's all there. That is awesome. And we do have the links to the Facebook. We have uh, links to the website and Instagram as well um, in the show notes, as well as your bio. I just want to thank you so much for your knowledge, your passion, your inspiration, and your willingness to sit down with the Embry podcast and share your story and your journey. And then also for your flexibility and patience as we worked through all of that to get live. It was worth it, right? <laughs> it was. Thank you for having me on here. This has been my pleasure to have this conversation with you today. A big shout out to all the supporters and sponsors of the Ambry podcast. Without you guys, we couldn't keep doing this show week after week. Very, very big special shout out to our co-producers, Jay Beam and T. Martin. You ladies are amazing every single time. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like to be a live audience member and support the Ambry Podcast, you can find us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Ambry. For as little as $2 a month, you get to see the interviews before anybody else gets to hear them and get bonus content with our guests. See you all around. Have a great day. Bye.